it's it's impersonal in a way where you sort it's sort of disconnected. So you know people might come off as angry or take it personal. When if it was ever face to face, it would never go there. I know countless times people maybe have gotten upset over something, a miscommunication online, and it's easy to post negative. Hey gang, it's Harold, and here's another podcast. I just returned from ConSim World Expo in Tempe, Arizona, my favorite wargame convention. This podcast will be composed of two parts. First, I'll talk about my experience at ConSim World Expo. Secondly, we'll interview John Kranz, the founder of ConSim World Forums, the host of ConSim World Expo Monster Game Convention, and also a new employee of Compass Games. Thanks for listening. The ConSim World Expo is held in Tempe, Arizona at the Mission Palms Hotel. There are well over 300 in attendance. Many meet there to play monster games, where the footprint is too large to play over the long term or else the time frame is too great to leave set up. I spent the vast majority of the convention with three other friends, one from the Midwest, one from Colorado, and one from Northern California, and of course me from San Diego. We had been talking for months, maybe since the last convention, about what games we would play. We decided on a number of games, which of course would comfortably fit four players, and also allow us to test some systems that we had been intending to play but hadn't been able to get to the table. The first game we played was the U.S. Civil War, designed by Mark Simonich, and of course published by GMT Games. We played that for five days. We played three different rounds. The first game... I was, of course, the Union commander in the East who lost to the South by auto victory on turn eight. That took us about a day. After that, we played two additional games, switching seats, and those games took two days each and played through most of the game. All three games ended up in Confederate victories. I don't think it's an issue of game balance. In the end, I think it's an issue of groupthink for us and the Union commanders not being aggressive enough. This game turns into a logistics exercise for the Union in trying to wear down the Confederates on a pace as regulated by the turns. And I think we didn't do a good job of maintaining that toward the end. And both Confederate victories, or at least the second two, were due to the Union player just not keeping up. On the sixth day, we played the Napoleonic Wars by GMT Games. This game plays very well with four. We added a fifth the first game. I was really the only experienced player, and it had been several years since I'd spent any time with the game. So Mark joined us to teach us and play the part of Prussia. We played a second game that afternoon with four players. I played France and was pounded by Russia and lost during game turn four. The next day was the last full day of gaming for all of us, and we played Unconditional Surrender. 
Now, we started the game at the early war and continued for as long as we could. It was an interesting experience, and I look forward to perhaps revisiting that with four players next year. In the evenings, we would fit other games into our schedule, and those included Battlestar Galactica, Root, Pax Pamir, 18CZ, and of course, under development, Flashpoint, South China Sea. Consum World Expo is as much an industry event as it is a gathering of those that love to play war games. There are always many designers in attendance, but also decision makers from companies like GMT Games, Decision Games, Revolution Games, Grognard Simulations, Compass, Pacific Rim, Blue Panther, and others. I personally was able to spend a good deal of time with my friend Gene Billingsley from GMT Games. On Monday, we had lunch. We had dinner with uh, Mark Herman and Luke, Gene's son, who's getting more and more into the business. And we even spent some time with Luke and Gene playing South China Sea as it stands. He's great because Gene has so much experience in the industry. He knows what people like. And he was able to give me some good advice on where the game is and a few ideas on changes to make the game more playable and more elegant. We also spent some time talking about future projects. I have about four ideas on the table at varying levels of uh, development. And Gene and I talked about those games and what he thought might be more interesting or any adjustments to systems. And uh, it was a great discussion, very helpful to me. Wednesday night, I had a great dinner with Mark Herman, the Wild Weasel himself, Bruce Garrick. Nick Carp was also in attendance, as was Brian Train. We heard some great ideas and stories from the old days, including uh, lots about Victory Games and SPI uh, from Mark Herman and Nick. And SPI's heyday, they played a softball tournament every year at Origins with Avalon Hill. And so the stories were great. And in one of my future podcasts, I interviewed Bruno, who's working on Time for Trumpets now, but also worked with Avalon Hill frequently in the early days, including playtesting and development of the 1981 Battle of the Bulge Hex Encounter game. And they both have uh, some interesting stories and interesting perspectives on that softball game. In summary, Consum World Expo was absolutely my favorite convention. Not only do I get to put games on the table that I don't normally get to play, but I also get to see friends from all over the country, and I get to do some industry work. I get to meet other designers, decision makers for other game companies, and spend some time with Gene Billingsley, and really advance the ball across a lot of fronts. John Kranz was born in Ventura, California, and currently lives outside Dallas, Texas. He went to undergrad at University of Redlands in California, and then went on to Thunderbird American Graduate School of International Management in Glendale, Arizona. Much of his professional background has been spent in software product management, 
but he currently works for Compass Games. In the role at Compass, he's looking for interesting and new designs, interesting and new designers, and pushing them through a system. I was able to grab John at ConSim World Expo and ask him about the history of the convention, the history of ConSim World forums, and what he's doing at Compass Games. I start the interview by asking John for a summary of what's going on at the convention. Sure. Uh, what's going on right now, it's uh, the last Friday. So, uh, you know, people are starting to leave. Some people fly back early. Our last official day will be tomorrow, Saturday. So we run seven official days. Um, so what's happened now, and I'll get into the venue later, is we have two main tracks to our venue. One is what's called Monster Gaming Larger Games. And then we also have a secondary track, which is the Open Gaming. So people can pair up at any time. There's no set schedule, um, but we help facilitate for those that need the help, we help facilitate the open gaming. So usually that's all the pickup games that take place. So the monster games, you know, we've been running now six days. So nearly all the monster games, there are a few exceptions, are already wrapped up. And that's traditional every year that, you know, the monster games might finish after three or four days. Then the really big ones, um, they're still going like OCS, Operational Combat um, Series from Gamers MMP. Uh, they've got three games in one uh, set up in, in the back, and they're still going strong. And I think they've got through 13 or 14 turns over six days, which is actually quite good because it's three full OCS games. So there's, you know, there's still some monster gaming going on, but it really pairs down near the end. Uh, and people are, are kibitzing more, like we're talking right now. So it gives people a chance to socialize more and meet more people. Things wind down. It's a, I think it's a very nice atmosphere at the end um, as we wrap things up here. Right. So you asked about the background. I can just segue to that. Sure. So um, this is our 19th year. So uh, we start in 2001 and it's in May time frame, and we do it every, like May, June, every year. And the way it started was uh, I was on Christmas holiday break from my corporate job, December 2000, ready running Constant World Forum. And I literally had a dream overnight where I was at a big convention, in, in a dream, of course, dream state, at a big convention with all these monster games being played. <laughs> So you probably see the parallel. It's right. already developing, right? So, um, and then literally in the stream, it was like all the SPI games, and uh, I was joking around. There was literally a detergent box of a, of a game from SPI called Burma, which never existed. <laughs> so one day there will be a Burma game using the Operation Typhoon system, chip pull system, because I had a dream about it, and I saw the box cover. It was very weird. From SPI. I didn't, I didn't drink that night, just, just to say <laughs> that, right? Clear right. my name. But uh, I woke up from it saying, yeah, there's really not a venue. Um, I don't think there's a dedicated venue right now. Just from looking at the forum and what people are playing, that's uh, where you can get together for several days. Forget about the rigors and stresses of your everyday life, you know, work, etc., And have a chance to just be a kid again, like back in college days, and just be able to play a big game. So it started as MonsterGame.con in 2001 and the goal was come together to play a very large game which you never have a chance to probably do face to face at least and that's how we started um, we had about 60 65 attendees and we've always been at the same location by the way so we're broadcasting what we're at tempe mission palms in arizona tempe arizona right off mill avenue wonderful location because you can walk to all the food establishments and everything so I, i'm real big on being able to walk away from the venue and not be stuck at an airport hotel so it's real important to me that we have a venue where people can go off and socialize and have a nice dinner, which happens all the time. 
so that's how it started was it started through this just a uh, random dream saying you know what maybe i can put something like that together and and then really it's the the it's uh the members of Constant World, they're, they're the ones that make it happen because I literally proposed to them, would you like to have an event? And I wouldn't do it without some buy-in. So without the support of people, there wouldn't even have been our first annual. You know, it takes people to say, yeah, let's yeah, give it a shot. Let's try. So, And it's worked out so far pretty yeah, good. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So how many people were at the first and how many do you have uh, now? Yeah, first one, so around 60 to 65 at our first one. And um, er, to be honest, every year we've always exceeded the previous year, and I think that's just word of mouth. I don't do any marketing. I'm horrible at doing marketing around this event. Um, but I'm okay with that. I'm comfortable with that because we have set space. You know, we have about six, 7,000 square feet. So it's not like I have tons of space to fill anyway. And I, I prefer that it's word of mouth. I prefer that it's a community outreach that brings people here. But I think the wild card, which really was a big difference this year. So we've exceeded every past year. But we, we had a, a spike. So there was a pronounced spike this year. And an example of that is we do registrations online and... We usually get around, you know, we've been growing to around 260, and this year we had over 300, so it really spiked. But the nicest spike, the, the nicest thing I saw that was trending up was first-time visitors, so newcomers. We usually have around 30. That's sort of how it balances out each year, and we jumped to over 60 in just the pre-registration. Right. So that was an obvious so I was, you know, I was trying to think of, okay, why? You know, word of mouth has always been helping, but why is this a spike? It's not our 20th year, so I can't say it's a big anniversary. So I'm convinced it's because of Stuka Joe. Because right. Stuka Joe, I don't do any marketing, but Stuka Joe last year did a video, which I, I liked so much. I just posted it on our forum for the expo, so maybe a few people saw it. But they just go to his, his YouTube page. So a lot of visits there, and I think that's probably the difference, that... Minimal marketing happened thanks to Stuka Joe. Right. So we've right. had good spikes. So the number is around, um, we went from around 310 with Watkins last year, around 310, 315, around 360 this year. Um, and yeah, it's been, it's really great seeing first time newcomers to see what they think. Uh, that's what I always like to focus on. And they've, we've had some great testimonials during our breakfast sessions. Some of them talk. I bring them up to talk. And we had a great one this morning saying just the community atmosphere. They called it the culture. was just so welcoming. And that's what we're all about. It's about taking a break. And it's not overly competitive or anything like that. It's just to have fun. So that's sort of the history. So marketing takes a lot of different uh, yeah, it has a lot a, of different faces, right? But I think you yeah. do a lot of marketing. You don't think of it that way, right? It's not advertisements and it's not broad-based, loud. Yeah. But when you invite people like uh, Meeple Lady and Stuka Joe and yeah. others to get the word out, then that's that's a part of it. Absolutely. Like I know, I, I you know, everybody's helpful. Everybody makes the event what it is. But I, I do have to recognize some people really go beyond and they're – they really support the hobby. They have their own way to really support the hobby. Stuka Joe, Meeple Lady, the, you know, she has a great, uh, you know, she has a lot of followers uh, on Twitter. So there's definitely some people out there that are, you know, I'm really thankful for that they enjoy being here. And um, that's the word of mouth that's so wonderful. And uh, we're also pretty well known, I think. I think most people would say this if you asked is uh, we're known for several things as far as what we do here. We have tons of playtest sessions. So for designers, they love coming here because the quality of the gamers here, they know they can get a lot of playtesting in. So literally, you know, all the veteran designers have been here, John Butterfield, Mark Herman, Frank Chadwick, the list goes on and on. A lot of new designers are here as well, several publishers. So anybody interested in, say, doing playtesting of an upcoming game, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful venue. We had over... 
40 different playtest games um, for the whole week. And again, various, uh, the list is so long. I, I think I did a show of hands, how many designers are here on our welcome reception. There were about 30, 35 designers. So um, it's, it's really um, well known for, if you want to meet people that are on the back of the box of the game you've bought, you might be able to meet the back of the box people. And, it's, and everybody forms new friendships right. that way. And, and so for the wargaming niche, it almost becomes a, a, an industry event. Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, I'm, I'm probably too small to ever call myself an industry event because it's just 350 as far as the number of people. But um, it's, I, the way I look at it, it's, um, I think it's a unique um, gaming event in terms of just the community, the community atmosphere, the history being almost 20 years, being 20 years coming up, the support we've had. Um, you know, I, I think it's, a, um, you know, I, I don't know if I could ever use the word industry because we're a niche of a niche hobby. But um, I just think it's a great way for people to get some good relaxation in for their once a year to really relax. It's a nice location. I, I, I'm a person of detail. So like the ergonomic chairs and, you know, if you're going to play games for six or seven days, I'm a real big believer in being comfortable. So we have the nice, er, you know, the fancy ergonomic chairs, not the little cafe style uh you know, banquet chairs that can kill your back. So, um, you know, there's a lot of great comforts here that the hotel offers. So yeah. I think it's just a great way to recharge your batteries. It's, it's unrivaled, I think, as far as comfort, right? The, 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 yeah. the, the, as you said, the Aeron ergonomic chairs and the, and the, the, the uh, yeah. nice ballroom with excellent lighting and great airflow. And yeah, I hope, I, I hope everybody's comfortable. I mean, I hope everybody, right. everybody seems to have a good time. You know, people say, how are you doing, doing John? Like, how am I doing? <laughs> they, they worry about me. Right. I don't right. know. Maybe my face. I don't know. I got to watch that. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, I always tell everybody, I'm not doing anything. It's, it's self-running. Right. So once the monster tables, you get reserved table space for the big games, and then it's open gaming spaces there. I really, I'm really not, I'm just facilitating, <laughs> right? So everybody's memorable moment is never me. Right. I am never a memorable moment for anybody. It's who they met and what they did while they were here. But that's and how you want it to be, right? It's well, that exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's why it's a community event. Yeah, and and but I mean WBC and the San Diego um, event is awesome. I mean I, I know there's so many great events. Uh, BodisCon. I mean I can't name them all. Game on. So all these things help our hobby, absolutely. And I, I and I don't travel to a lot, unfortunately. I can't with my work schedule. But I mean it's just I know it's a lot. People do great work, and uh, I'm just glad to be able to to contribute. Anyway, you, you live in Dallas, right? Or yeah, exactly. Dallas. Yeah, I moved. Uh, I've been in Dallas, uh, Plano, Texas, for the last twelve years, um, and we have a really strong gaming group. Actually, we have a really good retail place where people get together. And Mark Simonich and Tony Curtis of GMT live in the area, so we have some great people that come together. And uh, I will do an event starting in Dallas. Um, I announced it, so next year I don't I haven't picked a date yet because it gets harder and harder because I don't want to conflict with other events. So it's really getting hard, but we're going to do an extended weekend, and <clears throat> it's going to be called something like WarGameClassics.com. Oh, perfect. doesn't mean you can't play. You can play whatever you want, right? right. But there will always be like a theme, and, and I'm a big uh, fan. Everybody knows who knows me. I'm a big fan of the older games because I'm old now. Yes. And I, I, I don't know. Well, I, I, no, when I was young, you know, club, fun, yeah. everything's a fond memory when right, you're young, right, right? right? And I have a lot of stories when I was young. So I gravitate to SPI Classics, so... You know, it's going to be wargameclassics.com, so any Avalon Hill game, SPI, GDW, Marshall Enterprises, and, you know, name the battle line, Yaquinto, name the company. Everybody knows the companies. Um, if you want to have a theme focus, that's going to be our focus. And I'll try to get one or two speakers um, down for the event that are were active, like with SPI, et cetera. 
you know, um, that's I see that happening. But people can walk in and literally they can play. They should play whatever they want, and that's what we do here. So, but that will be announced. I'm gonna lock down the date in the next 45 days. Since you mentioned I live in Dallas, why not do something in Dallas? You know, and uh, somewhat of like this template. So, and then I do Compass Games Expo now, our second year will be in November, Veterans Day weekend. That's East Coast. So, um, so this will be my second one doing that, and that, that should be another good event. Well, it'd be a good time to talk about your affiliation now with Compass. Sure, sure. Yeah, I, uh, I burned out in corporate life, but, you know, I'm 55 now, so I put in a lot of good years, and um, I always was on the periphery of the hobby, just trying to help people, um, you know, connect on console world or cover the hobby on console world so publishers can get the word out about their new games especially small publishers who will look for exposure and then connecting people through the forum so that's worked really well and i always i like doing projects so i dabbled the last 10 years i did one game every three or four years it was under the label consum press so I, I surprised everybody here, uh, actually at the expo, my very first um, like project where I published a game. It wouldn't happen without GMT's help, so they're wonderful. So I would never have the bandwidth to do a back office fulfillment. So I can't do orders, I can't do inventory, I'm not going to do all, any of that stuff. But I asked, uh, I asked Gene Billingsley and Tony Curtis around 2009, 2010, uh, if I can bring a game to market, could you... Could you, you know, front it for me? Could you be the distribution point, the main distributor, the seller of it, you know, the marketing vehicle? I just bring the project to fruition and you take care of it from there. So they said we'd be happy to do it. And they do that for other publishers. They do it for quite a few publishers. But I think I was, I was probably one of the first ones. So I surprised everybody here because Frank Chadwick was a guest of honor and I, I uh, unloaded a bed of foam on everybody. Again, it's an older game. I love the older games and I love giving older games some a new life. Because there's so many ways to uh, to improve, even the great old games. There's a lot of ways to improve them through presentation. So I did that, but then I have a real job too. So that means you're not going to see anything from me for another three or four years. <laughs> so I did uh, the Hunters with Gregory Smith. I think more people will be familiar with the Hunters uh, from Gregory Smith. It's a whole series now. We followed it up with Silent uh, Victory, Consum Press, and. Uh, uh, we've now got the hunted, which all the files were delivered uh, actually over a month ago. But then I got bogged down with other project work. So next week, uh, we're getting the uh, new editions of uh, sorry, we're getting the new editions of Silent Victory, which is out of print, and the the hunters, the new, the new third edition. Uh, those files are going in the Seminich next week. Uh, finally, that's my fault. Um, it's obviously, not GMT's fault. So um, so I dabbled in. So I, I dabbled, but it was on the side, you know, and you're tired from a work day. It's hard to get anything done at night only, and, and, yet, and there's family and stuff. So right. I had really limited bandwidth. So, so I, I, I uh, was burned out, um, and I was just thinking, gosh, um, I noticed Ken Dingley had switched from a full-time uh, job, full-time employment, to working full-time as, with a game publisher. So I thought, i got to talk to Ken Dingley because, like, is there a way? How do you do this? You know, health care concerns, taking care of family. Like, how do you make that switch? Like, it's really impossible, I think, for a niche hobby. I just don't know how you do it. You know, GMT is maybe the exception. So um, I called Ken Dingley uh, to ask him, you know, how, how did you go through that? That's a tough thing to do. And he said, well, you really need to talk to Bill Thomas because Bill, Bill convinced me to come on board and leave my job and, and become a full-time with Compass. So I was, <laughs> so we had an arranged phone call, and for five minutes, they let me open the call, and Bill just let me talk for five minutes, make a fool of myself. And then he said, hey, John, um, and he had already decided before the call, um, why don't you just work for us? <laughs> so that, 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 and 
Keep in mind, I'm coming in with the perception that there's just no way that would ever happen. I'm just trying to think of a way. The math can't work. Yeah, I'm just trying to think, how do I survive for six months to ramp up pipeline because product's coming from China? You know, what do I do for, you know, food on the table for six months? I'm trying to figure out that emotional gulf. That's what the call was about. And uh, I had no idea. um, You know, I know Compass was was, uh, doing really well with getting more games out already. And Ken had made the switch, which is why they were able to do that. Uh, you know, Bill Thomas had more support, so they had uh, a better way to get games out. They had more uh, eyes on the ball. So that just that's sort of how it came together, that just uh, Bill had made. Uh, and Bill jokes around. He says, all my, you know, I make all business decisions within five minutes. Like, he's very fast, <laughs> and he's not kidding. He talked about it at his session today. We had a seminar this, uh, this week. And he, he, uh, he does make uh, very quick decisions on things, some big decisions, right. and... I heard the story after everything that, oh, no, it was decided before the phone call. Look, John's going to, Bill's like, John's going to work for us. And look, it's going right. to be good. And we're going <laughs> to, and I don't know how he came to that conclusion without knowing me that well. So that's sort of how the Compass Association. So that meant right. I, that meant I didn't have to go back to the corporate, to the, to the eight to five plus the hour traffic each way. Sweet. So it's a totally, the challenge for me was, um, which I, so, so I'm in heaven, right? So this is great, but you know, being responsible, I got to deliver, I got to, I got to earn my keep. Right. So yeah, I need to do four or five games minimum per year. And I'm keep in mind, I'm doing one game every three years. <laughs> so to go from one game every three years, even though I do a lot of project work, I haven't done it, you know, you know for publishing, this is a big switch. So I was, ner- you know, I was like nervous to do good for him. Like right. I wanted to see Compass say we made the right decision, right? It's all about, I want to support them. And if I can be successful, Compass will be successful. So there was pressure, you know, there's pressure at the beginning, um, but not a bad pressure. Like it was very wonderful. I have a young kid. I can pick him up at school. I have a flexible work at home schedule. I just have to get the work done, Right. but it's not work. Yes. It's not work to me. No, um, I love it. I love yeah. it. And, uh, um, it's not like it was for the 30, 35 years yeah. before total change. So, so I, I've been with Compass now um, two years, and um, I help them. I help with the marketing. So at times you might see me. I do broadcast once or twice a month, depending on how busy I am with my own. I also have my own project pipeline. So I've done about four or five releases uh, that I've managed, and uh, different various projects. Some brand new titles. Some of these re- of these new editions we call designer signature edition series, where we get together with the designer and we find out what do you want to change? Do you want a second crack at the bat? And uh, so I have sort of the uh, reprint type. They call them like reprints. Just to call it simple. And then we have also do a lot of new games as well. And uh, I've got a pipeline that will be for the next few years um, for sure. And I've got already 30, 35 titles in the pipeline. And it is, it is well managed. It's not like a designer sits for three years because my, you know, I got 30, 35 and I'm only doing so many. It's not, it's not like I'm saying, okay, give me something and I'll talk to you in three years. What it is is there's a designer that we have a series of agreements on. And we're going in order. They're going to get something done first this year. And then we're going to go consecutively down this, their own they have their own pipeline of projects they want to do. They have their own wish list. So that's why the my pipeline's quite big because designers aren't just looking at short term. They're looking at, you know, uh, like John Edwards. I've done, um, we've done African Campaign was my first project. Um, we just were releasing in about a week and a half Fortress Europa. Uh, so I talked with John Edwards quite a bit. Great guy. He's in Australia. Done some great games like Russian Campaign. And uh, we're going to do a Europe at War. I don't know how many people are familiar with Europe at War. Look at it on Board Game Geek. Uh, there's that one, and then we're going to do Victory at Sea. So as you can see, there's this um, there's this continuation of different projects 
that I can manage over time. And the designers aren't sitting back idle or, you know, I wouldn't want them to be that way. I'd rather see them publish with other people. You know, I want them to get their games out and, and I want the people to play their games. So, but it, it, it's, I, I'm really happy with the project pipeline and the customers have helped. They've, they've mentioned games they'd like to see. On the Console World Forum last month, a few months ago, um, they said, do Panzerkrieg. John Prados's Panzerkrieg. It's been done a few times, fine, but we know what kind of spin you're going to put on it. We know you're not going to mess up the game on purpose just to slap a new third, fourth edition title on it. You're not going to play fast and loose and screw it up, but you're going to enhance it. You're going to find ways to enhance it. And my eyes are bad, by the way. I, I have glasses. And uh, so I try to make larger counters and larger maps. So it's sort of like a super-sized thing is what we try to do. Um, but Compass has been great. I mean, Bill's been great, and he's, he's hands-off. And he just wants you to get your job, do your job right, make sure you're taking care of the customer. Um, and, uh, you know, I really appreciate what Bill's doing as running, running the organization. It's great working with him. And um, he, I know he's very appreciative of all the customers we have, um, you know, their support that they've been giving Compass. So that's my time at Compass. So it's been two years, and hopefully he's going to renew me. <laughs> I'm sure he will. So I, I won't, uh, he'll keep me off the street, hopefully. <laughs> That's my hope, you know, else I'm back on the street, right? But, yeah, yeah I think things are going, knock on wood, things are going pretty yeah, good right fantastic. now. <laughs> so I can't leave, let you leave without talking about uh, Consum World itself. Sure. And, um, the, 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 you know, in my mind, a social media site for, for war gamers. Um, what, was the, what was the genesis yeah, I was uh, in the 90s. I was um, on Genie. For those that are familiar with Genie, that was great. We all loved it. And then the company decided to change their pricing structure and they priced out of the market. And we were like, oh no, what do we do now? Everybody on Genie will remember that. And I think AOL, we tried dabs with AOL. There was no good home. We, it, was, it was a tough time. We really had no solution. There was a company back in the early 90s or 80s, 80s called Spider Island. They had like a bulletin board software, and I was talking to the owner in San Diego, and I thought, well, maybe I'll go that route. But then Web Crossing came along, and they already had some good corporate clients. Uh, you know, they've really, their time, <laughs> they passed their prime long ago. So people knowing the history of Web Crossing, yeah, it's not a viable long-term solution. Um, but I'm of the school. I'm like the campfire chat kind of guy. You can tell I got the gift of gab. I don't shut up. So I like the non-threaded conversations. So it's, of course, it's different from Board Game Geek. And most discussion sites, they're threaded. Um, I just feel like you're going to go thread hunting. You're going to, when I go on Board Game Geek, it's great. Great. It's incredible for the hobby. Huge success, obviously. And uh, they have threaded discussions and all that. So I, I never... You know, I think it's great. Everything they do is great. But I'm just old school. I'm old school. I'm like, you know, just pull up a chair. Let's talk one game. And it's sort of cool because you can go back to a game and, and hit, like, oldest message and see the messages from 15 years ago and just sort of read through it and go through it. And uh, we've got tens of thousands of postings. So uh, it's really hard to think, okay, if this was threaded, Am I really going to find, like, <laughs> you know, what happens with Threaded is you see, you always see what's current, what's recent. You know, Threaded force, force is the most recent, or they've got the little tags, like, show me the most popular. It's either most popular or most recent, what's new, unread. So, you know, there are advantages to Threaded. I'm just, I'm just like, you know what, just give me one place. I can just go to town on it. I can do a search within the topic. Yeah, it's not the most search-friendly thing in the world. Threading has some advantages. Like I said, newest or unread or most popular. So there's there's some flexibility there. I understand. Um, 
Yeah, that's probably my one bucket list thing is uh, it's I've looked at it several times. It's just a significant investment. I, I've looked at a platform to, to migrate to for Consum World that um, would sort of a compromise. It's threaded, non-threaded in a way, you know, would have like a Q&A section. I think it'd be cool to have like a questions and answers section. And then today's technology lets you rank members or yes, this was the best answer. So you can like tag it that way. So there's a lot of cool things that have been out there for a while. So I have these, U I have ideas around the UI, how to do it, but it's just, uh, it's a question of my bandwidth to, to manage that kind of a project and then uh, just to implement it. And then I would not be able to bring over the, the content from the form. It would be basically turn to read only at some point and it would just be there. And we would sort of migrate over time to this new uh, platform. So maybe that will happen one day. Um, I'd love to do it if I can. I just haven't. But I, I think, I hope everybody's enjoyed the form or does enjoy it. Um, we, you know, traffic's always at an all-time high. I've never seen it actually drop. I think some people comment, well, postings seem to be lower. And that's okay because um, you don't have to be a member, which means you have to be a member to post, which means you have to actually sign in, know your login. You can't post as a guest. So what people probably don't know is there's so much activity going on with guests just browsing. And I hear about it all the time, and I get new membership requests literally every day. So um, so I, I know it's out there, and I know there's the camp that says, oh, this software is 20 years old. Like, I get it. Like, I totally get it. But I'm looking at it from the point, the person-to-person -person point of, are you able to talk about things? And, like, I, I, I don't squelch speech. I mean, I do move political topics, I mean, which Board Game Geek would never touch, right? So I'm more open that way. Um, so people can have their political area. It's a private area. So they can have that outlet if they want. But, yeah, I'm trying to service the hobby. So we're trying to take a break from all the uh, rancor that goes on. I want people to take a break from that effectively and, and build a community atmosphere, and that's the goal. But when you have over 10,000 members, some people might rile some people. Sure, That's the nature happen. of the beast, it's right? Gonna happen, it's yes. going to happen. You know, uh, anybody could do a site. It's going to happen. It's unavoidable, um, and I've been doing it for almost 20 years. So, um, well, it's hard to argue that, that there aren't a huge contingent of the hobby that use it and you know, use it for support, use it for discussions and strategy and... Yeah, it's a very small, uh, so the people on console world, I don't know about Board Game Geek, but the people on console world, it's a lot of people, mm -hmm. but it's a, it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's a fingernail in terms of the imprint on the hobby. It's a very small group of influencers that are keeping up on things. And right. they've got their own gaming group of 10 to 20 people that are maybe never online. They just don't want to bother with it. Right. Especially in our aging group, like I know in our aging group, there's a lot of people that can binge, what's console world? What's anything online? Right. We, just don't, we don't do the online thing. We don't track, we don't follow. We, do, we just don't follow stuff like that. So there's a huge, un, you know, those people are taken care of by like you, you're an influencer in the hobby. Um, you know, the people we mentioned, Stuka, Joe, all them, because they're passing it on to these people, you know, watching it. You know, 5,000 subscribers for Stuka, Joe, and you have a huge list. So uh, these people are the ones that are really, you know, helping educate others and spread the word about the hobby to others. So but we're a small sliver, you know. Of the yeah, no, it's a, it's a small sliver, but it's a sliver that, that we all want serviced and, and, and pumped up and educated and and, uh, and and active and um, you know just like that group doesn't um, many in that group don't necessarily mess with social media the, the ones that do don't change very often right so that's the other great thing about constant world is there's a group there that won't use bgg yeah and uh, you know what i know all about the uh, <laughs> i know all about the um, i wish it wouldn't happen so everybody listening you know this whole thing bgg versus constant world versus whatever's out there why why bother why go there because bgg is great 
Um, you know, as long as people feel like they're getting what they need, you know, it's not like the pond is the pond is too small <laughs> for, you know, well, let's be thankful. I mean, let's go back. You want to go back to the 70s and you want to play an Avalon Hill game uh, by play by mail and never and you send rules questions with a yes or no answer. And then when you do your turn resolution, look at the stock market tickers to get the die rolls resolved. I mean. There, there is a benefit from instant communication, and there's also the draw. There's that draw. So, what do customers expect? Immediate support for games. So that's just normal because everything is instant now. You know, like fire and movement articles were great in the 70s with McGowan, but who has the patience for you know printed material stuff these days? Because you want you want to when a game comes out, you want to find out right away. You know, who's doing the first review right. and, or the out of the wrapper, you know, yeah, out of the, the box. And the questions right? on games become very, very personal in a good way, right? I mean, they, literally, you know you're talking to the designer when you right. ask a question on one of those forums. And that's the tricky part because uh, for some people, and this is for any industry, um, when you're talking online, it's it's impersonal in a way where you so, it's sort of disconnected. So, you know, people might come off as angry or take it personal when if it was ever face-to-face, it would never go there. I know countless times people maybe have gotten upset over something a miscommunication online and it's easy to post negative i, I think it's very easy to post something negative it's, you know right the vocal the, you know uh, vocal minority and then there's the the silent majority to, and that's very common in any that's any industry so uh yeah just just you know uh i've heard of people that have dust up but when they see each other in person it's so the dynamic completely changes it's just it's a disconnected uh, but but it's great yeah it's great talking to designers and the publishers and uh and there's an art form to that. And, and what I do, like with the forum, is uh, I don't moderate anything. So if, if I, but what I do, and some people think it's controversial, when a game publisher has their own game company support folder, they do whatever they want with it. I, I'm too busy with stuff, and I want them to run it. It's, it's almost like their little baby to do it with what they want. And most publishers are hands-off. Like they're literally hands-off. Anybody can say anything. You know, somebody can really go, um, and uh, some might say, no, I don't want that one post there. Um, so it's just, it's the nature of the beast. Like every, you know, and that's why we do expo because all this drama, (laughs) no, I'm I'm not, I'm joking because the hobby is very positive. Everybody's very positive, you know, in general. So, uh, in general. And like you said, in face to face, when people meet, it's, it's totally different. Yeah. And I, I think that's one of the great things. One of the things I love about this convention is the fellowship. And yep. the positive, supportive nature of the group. So uh, I want to give you, uh, Thank you tremendous credit for that, for creating Thanks that. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Um, and and uh, so so let me say, I know I know you're busy, but thank you for taking the time oh, to talk about all of these things. Everybody's going to be curious and interested in hearing your thoughts. Oh, I mean, I want to, you know, this is a great opportunity for me to thank everybody that's been supportive. So, I mean, Constant World, literally, you know, it's... Uh, it's we do a fundraiser drive every year. I, I should mention that you know it's a it's great support, and it you know um, so I apologize that it's just me running it right. So I have limited bandwidth, but I hope you know uh, like the expo here, it's the form self running. You know I don't worry about it because everybody's contributing and doing their thing, and uh, it's great. And uh, you know I'm really thankful. Um, I like doing this. Like I like connecting people people always bug me when well, you never play games it's like it's okay when i was a little kid i always watch games being played like my older brother he had his friend i couldn't play right so and and uh, so i love just seeing the ballroom now just seeing everybody our meeting just people talking and you know it's just great it's a great uh it's a thing something i always look forward to so if anybody um if anybody hasn't gone to an event and maybe they're shy you know there's people that tell me I just i'm not going to go i'm it's just for me i'm i won't be comfortable it's not my comfort zone to be face to face somewhere with a big group 
try one of these conventions. Try to support a, a local convention you can manage to make it to. Really give it a try because everybody's very welcoming. There's a lot of great conventions out there. So um, I'd say just try it once. Give, right. it, give it a try one time. Right, and you'll, you'll like it and you'll, you'll meet people. It. You'll yes. meet people, and especially if you're sort of new to the hobby, a lot of people return to the hobby. It's a complex hobby to steer your way, especially alone. Um, you know, people will walk you through what's new, what's happened. Uh, you'll make friends. We had 60 first-timers here, right? So 60 first-timers. And they were talking about, oh, it's incredible. Some of these people haven't, or they're new to the hobby or they, they're back to the hobby. And they say it's incredible how they, I'm so excited now about the hobby because I know, I know so much more. And it wasn't forced. Right. It's through friends telling me what's happening. Well, when I started back six years ago, okay, right, yeah. my kids went to college. And, and okay. so I, I started back. This was the first place I came. Yeah. And I met six people that my network exploded in San Diego over this. So people that are coming back to the hobby, people that are new to the hobby, people that move to a new area and want to meet people, this, these yeah. conventions are terrific. So people that are West Coast or can fly, you know, um, flights aren't bad, especially early. Uh, they've got to go to your convention, right? If they have, what, what year? Fourth, fifth year? Where were you at? Uh, yeah, fifth year. Yeah. Fifth year. So they really have to go. I mean, I've heard um, – I, I – I would be there, right? I, I have a conflict with a date. I always fall because I, uh, you know, I have to do uh, my uh, duties, right? So Compass Games Expo falls on Veterans Day weekend in November, and I think you're, you're going to do the same thing. So, so I'll never be able to be there, but I'll be there in spirit because <laughs> I'm, I'm missing a great event. But these other, you know, if you're near San Diego, oh, my gosh, there's so many gamers in California. I hope they're all going. I mean, I how, much, how many people can you fit? Yeah, so we I stop mean, at 150. Well, that's yeah, a great so, number. So that's, so. that's good, and, it, and it, it just gives everybody plenty of room, right. and it makes it very comfortable. But right. uh, on that note, I appreciate you, your help on that because I called you when I first started thinking about it, and you, you uh -huh. shot me through the learning curve and up the hill, and, and uh, we got yeah. it all closed out. Well, I hope from this broadcast, I hope people will like, connect and make friends because um, just to let you know, the hardest thing about this is uh, I'm 55, right? And, and we have a certain, um, our, our demographics are aging. So every year now, and this year was three, a count of three, passed away. All right, so every year, the graying hobby, right? Uh, there are new younger people. There's some high schoolers here, that, some that were here last year playing Empire and Arms. So they're real gamers, right? But, you know, I had to say, we had to say goodbye as a group to three people we've come to know as friends most. So um, you live once, right? So so go to San Diego. Just go once, yeah. right? Yeah, you, or come you to know, Tempe go, and mix it up. Schedule. You've got the dates November. Right. Uh, go wherever you can go. Um, try it one time. I would yeah. just tell because a lot of people say they're just nervous about it. They don't. Some are, you know, just don't right. feel like it's going to work for them. Yeah, agree. But really, they should try. They should try to go to your event. Absolutely. Well, John, thanks for taking the time. Appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. So that's a wrap for this podcast. I'll publish some notes and references on my website, conflictsimulations.com. Join the Herald on Games Guild on BoardGameGeek and leave me a comment with your thoughts and ideas. Thanks to the Athens, Greece-based band Puta Volcano for their music. Check them out on iTunes, Spotify, and Facebook. I'll close with a special thanks to John Kranz. And that's it for me. As always, I'm much kinder face-to-face -face than on Consim World, and I'll be back soon.